You're listening to the Common Descent Podcast. And welcome to Spookulative Evolution. Hello, Allie. Hello, Will. Hello, David. Now, don't be hasty, Master Will. (laughs) (laughs) And hello, listeners. Welcome to this year's episode two of Spookulative Evolution. Spooky! (laughs) This year we are discussing monster plants. And as typical, this is the show, the mini-series, the side series, where we discuss how we could evolve classic traditional monstrous creatures organisms with the real world tools and rules of natural selection and evolution last episode we discussed people eating plants yeah human eating plants we came up with a a, some cool ideas for how plants (laughs) might trap and devour human beings yep Uh, (laughs) i want one (laughs) (laughs) a particularly voracious rose yes This episode, we'll be discussing moving trees. Ooh, monster trees. Yeah, and not all as monstrous as you might expect, but trees that are moving around more than you would typically expect a tree to. A tree that is at least more capable of monstrousness than a normal tree. Ambulatory. Yes. (laughs) Yes, ambulatory trees. Oftentimes very anthropomorphized trees. Yes. Now, as usual, first we will go through a a rundown of the history, the the kind of setting the stage of what this monster is. But first, as a reminder, this is all just for fun. None of this is definitive. This is not the entire history of these creatures. There may be ones that get left out. We are not making any definitive statements, you know, definite. This is how something like this would evolve. You know, this is just our ideas on how it could something reminiscent of these monsters could come to be. It's an opportunity for us to just sort of have fun pulling uh, inspiration for creativity from the real world. And of course, as we mentioned last episode, this year for Spooky, we are joined by an expert. Yep. Our friend, Dr. Allie Baumgartner. I'm so excited. (laughs) I get to go like full on plant nerd at you. And it's like, I'm living my best life right now. We can't discuss plants without you. Yes. Uh, We literally, these spooky (laughs) episodes would not be anywhere near as good or thorough. No, that was a factual statement. (laughs) Y'all would try to make plants out of animals and that just would not fly. (laughs) Well, I mean, we can make them green. You know, we'll make it a green. Yeah, that's what it would be. Yeah, well, this is a vine. It could could be an octopus. I think it's an octopus. It's got a lot of vines. Are we sure it couldn't be some kind of snake or croc? (laughs) A photosynthetic crocodile. <laughs> Ooh, but that would be cool, but I digress. <laughs> yeah, that's another year. Yes. So let's get in to this episode's monster. Moving trees, you know, mobile trees. Uh, there's not one version of them. These are just something that show up in a lot of stories. Uh, but the slightly more classic version than the walking around trees, which we will get to, are talking trees. Oh, yeah. Mm, okay. That's actually the more common and historic version of a moving anthropomorphic tree is talking trees, sometimes with faces, sometimes just a talking tree. Mm -hmm. Stories of uh, speaking trees go all the way back to Greek mythology Mm. and are throughout multiple cultures. It was said in Greek mythology that the trees of Dodona, which is northwestern Greece, beside the sanctuary of Zeus were all able to talk and give prophecy. Ooh. 
that they could foretell things and endow that onto people. Ah, these are trees that speak for themselves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and an interesting part with these trees is they could do it while alive, but there was an example in Jason and the Argonauts that a, one of these trees was cut down to make the figurehead of the Argo, the ship of the Argonauts, mm -hmm. that would speak to Jason and give him foretellings of dangers ahead. Uh, like Knight Rider. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> in the movie, it was that uh, Hera embodied the ship and gave him warnings, but gotcha. yeah, it was that it was from a prophetic tree. That's cool. A similar aspect of this is I found one thing that said that the oak, uh, oak trees, the rustling of their leaves was sometimes said to be the voice of Zeus speaking through the trees. Cool. So it may not have been literal talking, but maybe it was tree speech. Right. Or in that case, the idea of a deity speaking through the trees. Mm -hmm. And the idea of a deity speaking through a plant uh, is certainly not limited to Greek mythology. Yeah, no, it's it's come up. I don't I can't think of an example. Once or twice. <laughs> yeah. uh, there were I found one. Uh, there's a story of Muhammad that encounters a speaking tree. Mm -hmm. uh, there's, of course, the burning bush. I found one that was uh, another Greek story. I didn't find a specific, you know, where this was supposed to be. Uh, but it was a story of a, a philosopher talking about two philosophers that were debating beneath an elm tree. And then the elm tree interrupts uh, <laughs> to weigh in. Uh, no, I did have it. This is it's supposed to be in Ethiopia where this tree was and interrupts them to weigh in on the conversation. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, yes. There's also a an Indian story, like from a, a tree in India that is the tree of sun and moon that once again was prophetic, told the future. But... It, there were two parts, two sections of the tree. It wasn't clear if it was like two sides or two branches or something, but two sections of the tree that spoke depending on the time of day. Oh, sun and moon. Yeah, sun and moon. In daytime, one part spoke with a male voice, and in nighttime, the other part spoke with a female voice. Oh, cool. Whoa. And they would speak at day and night. And tell the future. I want to be friends with these trees. These seem right? like some pretty cool trees. <laughs> it's, it's delightful. There were dozens of examples of talking tree stories on, on the Wikipedia page for talking trees. So, like, feel free to go look those up. But there are a ton of stories of trees bestowing knowledge through speech. Uh, Pocahontas. Yep, I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking that the whole time. Yeah. Right? Like, that's... That is very much a cartoonified version of these kinds of stories. Yeah. Well, I think that makes sense because uh, as I'm thinking of it, trees are very much the elephants of plants. Yeah. Right. Big and ancient. It makes a lot of sense to say, yo, that oak tree has been here since my great grandfather lived here. Yeah. Boy, if these trees could talk. Yeah. It's fonts of wisdom. Like Joshua trees are thousands of years old. Like, or bristlecone yeah. pines. Sorry. Bristlecone pines are like thousands of years old. Yo, like they've seen things. Oh, yeah. The rise and <laughs> fall of empires. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, when we get into more literal moving trees, we get to things like dryads and ints that are actually walking around tree people. Yeah. Now, dryads are interesting because nowadays, if you Google dryads, you know, or find them in the D&D the monster manual, <laughs> uh, they are very often tree people, uh, usually female, mm -hmm. you know, usually depicted as young women or something made out of wood or covered in plants or with plants for hair. Traditionally, in Greek mythology, they were usually just 
young women. Not plant, but they lived in trees. They were tree nymphs, uh, specifically oak trees. Huh. Yeah, more like the spirit of the plant than like the embodiment of it. Yeah, exactly. They were friends of Artemis, the, the goddess of the hunt, and shy to everyone else. Nowadays, they're more generally used for human tree plant hybrid type things. And so you'll see them depicted as various levels of tree-esque. The more famous and literal walking trees are the Ents mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings Middle-Earth. You know, J.R.R. Tolkien creation, which were the keepers of the forests in Middle-Earth. These tree-like beings, which is actually what they were more described like in the book. They were not literal tree people, or maybe they kind of were. They were vaguely described <laughs> as tree-like the actual description for Treebeard, the leader of the Ents, the oldest being on Middle-earth, as described by Gandalf, Neat. was a 14-foot-tall man or troll-like creature with a sturdy, tall head and almost no neck, and that it was either clad in green and bark-like material or that may have been its skin. Uh, it was <laughs> unclear whether it was wearing something that was tree material, plant material, or if it had that as its exterior. Gotcha. Also, 14 feet is not actually that tall for a tree. Right? It's not, not actually that tree. ridiculous. They just they do describe it having brown, smooth skin on the arms. Hmm. Feet with seven toes each. And the famous tree beard in the book was described as being bushy and almost twiggy at the roots, but not actually a tree beard. Thin and mossy at the ends, but once again, maybe not actually... Moss, so maybe it was a very tree-like man-ish thing, or maybe it was a tree person. Right, right. Which is interesting because in the movies, they are literal tree people. They are depicted as tree people. They are human-shaped trees. In a lot of the descriptions for the movie versions of the Ents, they describe that they are tree beings that become more tree-like with age and tend to resemble the trees that they care for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're tree and shepherds, so- right? Exactly. They're shepherds of the forest. They guard the forest. They move the forest. They are the Loraxes of Middle-earth, quite literally, but they literally physically resemble the trees they are taking care of, having bark skin branches coming off their body. Mm-hmm. And that's typically what is shown when you think of an Ent. This is also very much what they uh, are shown to be in other media that has used something similar to them, like D&D has the Treant. Mm-hmm. Uh, not ent, ant. Yeah, trant. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but it is a awoken tree. It is a tree that has been given sentience and mobility to move around. It gets a woody face on the trunk. It gets branch-like arms and a split at the base that become legs. So it is literally a walking tree, not a tree-like being. Yeah, a, a tree that has been given the ability to move. To get up and go. Another fun example while we're in D&D is a creature called the Shambling Mound. I love (laughs) the Shambling Mound. Me too. I was hoping this would come up. (laughs) This is described, it's it's a creature that's basically a section of undergrowth of roots and plant material that has been given mobile life, you know, uh, motion, and is trekking through forests and swamps, just consuming whatever it comes across, just eating whatever's in front of it. 
it is it is a monster. You know, it's very much supposed to be an aberration. It, not literally in the D and D sense, but like <laughs> right. I think it's a monstrosity, a, a, an abomination, a, a monstrosity. It's mm-hmm. unnatural, <laughs> but it is a shambling mound of plants. Yep. I found one fun thing in the the actual monster manual. It talks about the fact that they eat anything that comes in front of them, and the only reason they do not just destroy ecosystems is because of how rare and slow they are. (laughs) (laughs) So if they were faster, they would just black hole an ecosystem. They are goats. (laughs) Plant goats. Plant goats. Terrifying. There's also tons of depictions of these kinds of trees in popular media. Uh, we've already mentioned a few with the Lord of the Rings, both the books and the movies, and Grandmother Oak or Grandmother Willow in Pocahontas. But there's also like the trees from Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. uh, that chuck the apples at uh, <laughs> Dorothy oh, and yeah, they Scarecrow throw stuff. Yeah. yeah, so they're not they they don't walk. No, but they talk, and yeah, they've got they can move enough to exactly. uh, lob projectiles. Yeah, they were rooted. <laughs> And they look like normal trees, and when they pluck an apple, suddenly they notice a face that comes out. He goes, hey, what are you doing? And starts chucking apples (laughs) at them, and has hands and everything. There's also, like, tons of cartoons, like, uh, like there's the, the, uh, what is it, the the flowers in the trees, that classic old cartoon of the flowers dancing, that have a whole bunch of dancing trees as well, like, yeah. You know, anthropomorphic trees are really common. Um, there's the Deku tree from <gasps> yep, Legend, Legend of Zelda. Zelda. Yes. With the big old man <laughs> face yes. on the front that gives you exposition. Yeah. <laughs> there are also a tradition of evil, like demonically possessed trees, like poltergeist and stuff, uh, where it is a tree embodied by evil and eats children and whatnot. Yep. As you do. Though, yeah, those are also... In a number of movies and stories. He's right to warn you. I eat children. <laughs> Perfect example. <laughs> so yeah, moving trees, talking trees, walking trees. Yeah. Ghost trees. Yeah, they're not all tree ents. You know, they're not all walking around trees. Many of them are rooted, uh, but either moving or have a face. There's sometimes where it's just a face. It's not even a moving face necessarily, but... It is a person face on the tree that is not, you know, oh, what a coincidence. It's like, nope, that is a face. It's it's the tree's face. You can make eye contact with this tree. <laughs> Don't blink. <laughs> right, right. They win all staring contests. <laughs> now, another thing that will come up when you look up these kinds of creatures, you know, these mythical beings, you will come up with walking palms. These will come up a lot of the time. I found tons of articles when you look up tree ants that'll be like, hey, mentioned in this article about walking palms. Walking palms, a Latin American plant, Socratia exoriza, is a palm tree that has a root system that splits before it gets into the ground. So it has these kind of mangrove-esque roots that come out in multiple shoots down to the ground. So it has these leg-like roots coming down from the bottom of the tree. So it looks like a multi-legged tree standing there. Like a little arthropod, like walking around. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it has been a very common fun fact about these trees that they can indeed walk, 
by growing these roots in one direction and letting them wither in the opposite to move from like less sunny to sunnier areas and shift their position. That's been shared, like it's common knowledge for like tour guides and stuff. And it, and there are witnesses that say they have seen it happen. But recent research I found that actually tried to document it said they found no evidence of that happening. <laughs> watching again this is a podcast so the listeners can't see what Allie's doing but that just roller coaster ride of expressions <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't want to leave it linger too long excitement to just astonishment and then grave disappointment yeah oh, that's still so, so cool though that is yeah. very cool now I, I think it's only the one research that actually went and said all right well let's actually investigate this and it right. was fairly recent they found no no evidence of them actually growing in that way. Like they will grow new root shoots and they will lose roots. Like they will wither, but the trunk never moves. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not shifting. It just will, the roots will come and go depending on the situation. That does make sense. Yeah. I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Which brings us to the, to the end of the history, not because there's, you know, we're out of stories about these trees, but there's not a lot of really specific or detailed, you know, there's no accounts of an explorer claiming to have seen other than the walking palm. Right, right. And, and last episode, we did mention some of the carnivorous trees. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, th- and a few of those showed motion, mm-hmm. uh, just not very anthropomorphized motion. Right. Uh, which most of these are moving trees with a very human motion to them either the fact that they're talking they're speaking mm-hmm. or the fact that they have arms or a face or legs and are moving around like a people do that's kind of the thing that groups a lot of these trees together oh Groot yeah Groot yes <gasps> exactly <laughs> you said group and my, my brain and the word association went I am group and then I went oh right yes that's an example absolutely there you go yes. yeah a little baby Groot I've got one in my room too. There's we every all three of us have a Groot. <laughs> what we are now all pointing at. Each one of us has a baby Groot. <laughs> so there's ton there's tons of these stories, and I feel like with us wrapping up the history and leading into our speculative evolution section, which is always preempted by our magical disclaimer, it's more important than usual, right? <laughs> because speaking moving trees is a lot. Yeah. That's a lot for a plant to do. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for to ask of a tree. So we have to remember that there are sometimes features, you know, none of our trees are going to be able to tell the future. Right. Uh, we're just going to have to skip over that classic bit of a story. With them. They can, however, tell the past. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but prophecy is not something we can evolve. Right. <laughs> At least we haven't seen anything do it yet. So as usual... We can't evolve all the features perfectly, but let's see how close we can get to something we would call a moving tree. Now, I think that this one, I'm going to bring this up again. (laughs) Uh, If we want to have a plant that moves as our speculatively evolved moving tree monster, there are two broad avenues to go. Yes. And that is A, that we take an ancestor Mm -hmm. that does move like some kind of animal, and evolve it into a tree-like thing. Yep. Or 
we see if we can figure out how to get plants to move. (laughs) Allie's very unimpressed (laughs) look at us. It's always good to cover the bases. (laughs) When you said, when you started the word ancestor, I thought you were going to say animal and I was already out, but then you continued down that path and we we got there eventually. Uh, So let's let the record show. I am not on that team. (laughs) We are not, I am not down for that. Well, that was one of the first thoughts I had when I was taking the history notes is that there could be like a tree mimic, like something that is Mm -hmm. trying to look like a tree for some reason, like an animal posing as a a giant stick bug kind of situation. Distant descendant of mimic octopuses. This is like the future is wild where the octopus comes out onto the land. Everything cephalopods. Yeah. Uh, Fun fact, every creature we've ever evolved on Spooky is actually just a mimic octopus. Just a mimic octopus. Pretending to be a chimera. (laughs) (laughs) Mimic octopuses exist in the spooky verse unchanged. Yes. 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 Correct. Uh, But yeah, like a a giant stick bug, a giant stick insect sort of situation, which in my mind is very cool, but it does kind of lean away from the plant monster aspect. So I, you know. Then why am I here? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So then the question becomes, Allie. What would we have to do, evolutionarily speaking, to motivate a tree? (laughs) Light a fire under that tree. All right. Hold on. I have two things I need to to mention. First of all, if you want prophecy, you can also just make them hallucinogenic. Ooh, very good point. That's true. Yeah. So just, like, file that away. Um, Yep. We'll keep that one in mind. Secondly... When you're talking about movement, like, you do need to be specific about the time scales you're talking about. Right. Uh, because, like, plants over, like, generations will move. Yes. Just so, like, you know, just throw that out there. Well, and I, that's a very good point, because that was one of the things that I thought of when talking through the Ents, is one of the things I, I really liked about Treebeard in the movie, at least. Uh, and I can't remember the books well enough to remember this comes up when they're, in, when... Pippin and Mary are interacting with Treebeard there. But in the movie, they reference the fact that Ents have a different perception of rush, right. of of urgency. Because to them, what takes a long time is very different than what takes a long time for us. So they just don't, they don't have a sense of urgency, a sense of uh, speeding things up. You know, we just got done saying hello. Right. And we have all agreed, you are not orcs. Like, they're very much... <laughs> Their sense of a brief amount of time is ancient to us. So I I do like the idea that you could have a tree that is behaving, but just over a time scale that is is hard for us to perceive unless you're paying attention. Well, and you could have something like the wandering palm situation where a story could come out of, oh, this tree isn't where it used to be. Yeah. That I was here last year and this tree has moved mm-hmm. could easily give rise to a mythology of moving trees. Yep. Yeah, I guess that's one thing that we really do need to establish. Like, at what time frame do we want this movement to happen? Right. Well, I imagine that... So last episode we did talk about vines and carnivorous plants that exhibit rapid movement where you can have closing of traps and curling of vines and stuff like that. I imagine that the big limitation for a tree is that it's covered in armor. Yeah. That and roots. Yeah. 
Right. So yeah, like a, a tree to move its branches <laughs> okay, would have a yeah. hard time moving like a vine. Although I guess there are woody vines. Yeah. So you've got options, right? So you have twiners and you have lianas. So lianas are the woody vines. So that's going to be like strangler fig and um, grapes and Virginia creeper and all those friends. And then you'll have things that are more twiners. So that's going to be like uh, a common name, common name, common name, Greenbrier. <laughs> <laughs> it's Smilex, if you were wondering what the, the, the scientific uh, genus is. But anyway, and the thing about it too, is that like plants are far more flexible than you may think like basically a lot of the portrayals that we get of moving plants are willows because Mm -hmm. willows are super flexible all right that's true because yeah like when you were talking about the dancing trees and flowers like a lot of times when they're showing dancing trees like you're going to show a willow yeah it's like that you have you have grandmother willow like there i feel like willows have a lot of I have a lot of options in terms of maybe not walking around, but at least like moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. Well, and it makes me think about, so a thought that I had, and this is, we're jumping off track, but then I'm going to come back on. Uh, we were talking about talking trees. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of pursuing the talking idea. And a thought that I had was maybe you have a tree who has an internal structure that when the wind blows through it, yeah. makes an unusual mm-hmm. like a moaning sound or a sound that people identify with a uh, voice you know it sounds like a, a a woman's voice or whatever a mythology would say which also makes me wonder could you have a tree for which the movement of the wind through the tree makes it sort of have a, an unusual yeah. motion or and i just want to throw this one out there because i, I want to plant the seed um could there be something living inside the tree that makes the tree move. Yeah. Could there be some sort of symbiotic relationship or some sort of even, uh, you know, a, an inhabitant that is giving sort of this illusion of motion? Yeah. Okay. Allie's got, getting very excited. I got two thoughts. I need to make sure I don't <laughs> lose them. We'll start with the second thought. And we could like cordyceps this. <laughs> Every spooky episode just comes back to cordyceps. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason for that. So I just want to like, you know, implant Cord- that spore. Cordyceps, by the way, dear listeners, if you're not familiar with the scientific name, is the fungus that takes over the bodies of bugs and then sprouts out of their heads or yep, whatever. Yep, yep, yep. Zombie ants. That's the one. Okay, so I just want to like plant that spore so you think about that. Right. Secondly, I was also thinking about that too in terms of like wind making sound or having something that like, a, you know, a structure that could make sound. So quaking aspen or trembling aspen is called that because of the sound that the leaves make when the wind goes through it. Oh. The shape of the leaves, they have very thin petioles. So that's the stalk of the leaf. And yeah, it's like, which means they're very flappy. And there are actually a lot of leaves. So fun fact, tulip tree leaves, um, they have that like, almost like a mitten shape. Like if you made half a mitten, like the thumb part of a mitten... And then just copied that on the other side. That is a tulip tree leaf. Uh, It's the state tree of Tennessee. (laughs) Just so y'all know. (laughs) Anyway, the the shape of those leaves is actually also really good for kind of forming a tube um, and dealing with high winds. Gotcha. Which I do like. Yeah. So like you've got you've got options um, in that respect. I was also thinking of fruit. So. 
people always think of fleshy fruits and that's only literally only half the story, right? So like you have the hard fruits. So like grains are fruits and nuts are fruits and all of that stuff. So like, I wouldn't it like in the purpose of a fruit is dispersal. So like, what if you did have this structure on the fruit that like made a noise when like the wind blows through it or something to like summon, I don't know, curious bipeds to be like, oh, what is this? What is this fruit? Or uh, I like, cause I, I like the wind through the leaves cause that syncs up with mm-hmm. the myth of Zeus's voice mm-hmm. uh, yes. very nicely. Yes. Uh, the fruit though, I like wind going through it would work, but also if it was something that could be dropped and whistle <gasps> and make a noise as it fell, uh, then it's something that could be triggered. Yes. That could be released yeah. by the tree. So you could have something to where people are like, yeah, if you go visit that tree and speak to it, it will whistle back and it could respond. Yeah. What? Oh, could the trees... I know that trees communicate, mm-hmm. right? Trees can communicate uh, okay. through root systems, through, uh, uh, I'm sure, chemical cues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could a tree respond to sound? I did look that up. And there is research that has found that plants can, re- certain plants respond to certain frequencies of sound. Cordon seedling roots have been known to move towards certain sounds. And chili seedlings were known to grow quicker in the presence of fennel plants which release a chemical to stunt the growth of other plants. But when they sectioned off the fennel plant so that none of the smell could get through, none of the chemicals get through, but only sound, the chilies still grew faster. So they were hearing the fennels and growing faster to try to maybe outcompete the stunting chemical. So plants can hear and respond to sound. And that makes sense, right? Because it's a wave. Like they are responding to the change of the wave. So what I was thinking- You don't have to have an ear. Yeah, it, it, that's literally what our ears are doing is they are like vibrating with the sound waves yeah. and like plants are made like plants have cell walls. I feel like that might be good for it. But what I was going to say before, it makes me think of I don't remember what the actual common name for it is, like the ex- <laughs> the exploding cucumber, the squirting mm. cucumber, uh, the, where if you trigger the fruit, it explodes off of the plant. So yes, like, yes, right, right. So like, you know, change like you know the mechanism changed like the shape of it but that's totally totally oh my goodness sorry this makes me think, i'm sorry if you want a whistling fruit fruit kind of kind of makes me think of a loofah <laughs> because it's full of holes uh-huh. like, yeah well it'd be like those old nerf footballs yep, yep. yes that's exactly what i was thinking of well and i also to to go along with your uh shooting your fruits off the stem i like i in my head i have an image of a plant whose flexible branches uh, when they catch the wind, allow it to throw a fruit mm-hmm. that as Ooh. the branches are rocking around, if they start rocking a certain amount, uh-huh. they'll release the fruit and it'll look like it's throwing fruit across the forest. Yeah, which which would both the wind movement, but also the fruit being projectiled you know, at or in a direction would, would you have to, that has to mean the tree threw it. Oh, like, yeah. Well, and especially Me and my saw it throw a fruit. If you're standing out there with your friends and you hear the wind through the wood of the tree or through the leaves of the tree and it's making whispers and it's making noises and then it starts dropping 
fruit at you. If it responds to certain sounds, you mm-hmm. can whistle at a tree to have it drop fruit. Yeah. And we don't have to go this direction. But all of this is made much more intense, uh, to go back to Ali's suggestion, uh, if the tree is releasing hallucinogenic chemicals. Yeah, exactly. Because this, this then you go whole... back and you're like, we had a conversation. It had a face. This really gives a whole different twist on the giving tree. Right. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I am just rethinking my whole childhood right now. <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, my goodness. Yes, yes, yes. Well, the other thing, too, is that... So, Willow is where um, acetosalicylic acid, which is aspirin, comes from willow bark. So, like, gotcha. they already have these chemical defenses. So, like, how hard would it really be to engineer something slightly different? Now, I want to come back to uh, where we started here and talk about that wandering palm idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. idea of a tree that is growing its roots in a certain direction. Because uh, I, 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 if we can get these trees to move, that'd be really cool. Absolutely. Either a tree growing slowly in a direction, or could there be something where maybe the tree itself is actually generations of tree, Mm -hmm. that maybe it grows a new tree next to it, that over time gives the illusion of it moving? Okay, okay, I got some thoughts. Um, First thought, you have Pando which is the aspen that is a single organism that is an entire forest right? because it reproduced vegetatively. And that is an option for this is vegetative reproduction. So like, you know, actually willows also do this. (laughs) They will have suckers come off and they will make more. And the suckers can come from lots of different places. So we think of them coming from the trunk, but if they have lateral hold hold on hold on hold on uh stolen so you can have lateral branches that are like along the ground and then you can pop up from there so that's another option for basically this like ground stem that goes out and then you sprout up a new um a new thing i when i was so kind of on that you're talking about this kind of like seasonal turnover right like this one dies and now we're living out of this one and that one dies we're living out of this one so this I don't think this is necessarily a direction that we should go, but I want to bring it up. Um, it makes me think of like the Carboniferous plants that were very much like I'm going to become a tree in a single growing season, and then yep. I'm going to die. Sure, <laughs> hey, so, we can do that. Yeah. Now there also, of course, exists, and again, like like you said, uh, uh, not necessarily our tree, but there are trees that are in trees that do that. Yeah. Yes. I, you know. Uh, banana trees and such that are not technically trees and thus have that quick turnover for trees yeah but are called trees by people who see them Yes. yes the other thing that i was thinking about like in terms of plants moving are tumbleweeds Ooh, yeah huh like that's their whole shtick is that they move great distances and some like tumbleweeds are massive like they can get very large they're not really people shaped but i guess it's like it depends on if you want to maintain tree as plant shaped or or you know moving plant as plant shaped or moving plant as people shaped yeah right well i i do like the idea of uh that that's vegetative mm-hmm. growth yes that you're describing especially like if we combine the idea of 
the wandering palm mm-hmm. that has those sort of split roots uh-huh. with the idea of vegetative spread, which uh, operates as a really nice short distance alternative to fruit dispersal. Yeah. So you have both mechanisms. Yeah. Those could easily come together to have somebody comes back, you know, the next season or a couple seasons later and go, wow, no, those trees, not only do they talk, but they move. Well, this tree is 10 feet farther to the west than it used to be. Especially if the movement seems purposeful. Uh, you know, so even if it is a slow year-by-year movement, if it's moving in a direction uh, and not randomly, then that's that's going to make it seem... That, that could lend to being like, yeah, it's moving toward the town. Like, we built a new building here and it started moving toward the building or something. Which is another thing I looked up when thinking this through is I found a few different research references that indicate the potential, if not like definite mechanisms for sight in plants. Now, what this was referring to, there, there was a few lines of evidence that showed that there could be seeing organelles, you know, uh, uh, cells in plants. One was based off of cyanobacteria, single-celled bacteria, there are photosynthetic versions, you know, groups that have what are known as ocelli, which is a lens-like cell, a very simple, light-sensitive cell, but they use the entire cell. Their whole single cell acts like a little lens-focusing, light-sensitive cell, and they can respond to light sources and not make a picture, but find where a light source is and respond to it. I also found two examples of plants that seem to react to visual information. One was Arabidopsis, uh, the seedlings, which seem to be able to distinguish their neighbors, the plants around them, by their shape. Hmm. And there was a woody vine, Boquilla, which can modify its leaves to mimic the host plant it's on, both in shape and color. Oh, wow. And I found this one listed multiple times as evidence of visual recognition in plants. Mm. Uh, Now, I don't know that we know the mechanism by which they're doing it. I didn't find a detailed list of how. Right. But they do seem to be, once again, like the chili seeds, seem to be responding to the sound because we blocked everything else they should be able to respond from. It seems that these are responding to pictures, to images, to light uh, information. So we could have the trees grow toward stuff. Yeah. Especially if it was like human structures because humans are what they want to come to around. Attract. Well, and I was thinking that it could be a visual stimulus, but it could even be something as simple as if the tree is dispersed to an area that is just outside of the ideal habitat, mm-hmm. that it's responding to nutrient richness or temperature or altitude or something and that it will generationally move itself back towards the optimal habitat zone and both it could do both could do uh, both i like the site because then that goes more toward the person tree this is true if it seems to be reacting to the things it's seeing around it that, that's something i'm going to tell a story about right <laughs> if i'm <laughs> if i'm a villager that sees this tree i'm that i I'm learning things. This is great. <laughs> Spooky is great. We learn stuff. I'm learning so many things. So I, I found all the notes about uh, trees reacting to people, and I went, can trees hear? Can trees see? Yep. Google. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yep, I'm here for this. 
I was also thinking of like other things that depending, <laughs> I was going to say intent, uh, depending on like the intent of the tree. Right. I, I have this like idea. This is absurd. I will preface this, but I have this idea of this like climate warrior tree that's like going to go stop a mine. Because it can like feel the vibrations of the mining, but that is a that is a bridge too far, and I recognize that. But that is that is the mental journey that I went on. I mean, if a tree can hear, yeah, then vibrations uh, moving in the direction of vibrations would certainly not be. Yeah. Now that's very much you know why would that evolve? Well, yes. it's one of those like maybe it responds to vibrations for some other reason. You know yeah. that it it wants to be near rapids. That's mm-hmm. true. And yeah. it's or so elephants. It's, yeah. It wants to be near sources of vibration. And, and then, then a these, highway. Yeah. A yeah. highway or these miners start coming in. The tree's like, well, I guess I need to go over here. And inadvertently tears up roads and collapses mines as it grows its roots toward this, for some reason, <laughs> subterranean, you know, whitewater or elephant herd. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and is accidentally causing, attacking humans. Right. Because it's responding to our, our our noise pollution. Well, I do like the idea of so this this is a tree with two different methods of dispersal. Mm-hmm. One, uh, whistling fruits. Yep. That uh, bring in uh, uh, herbivores to eat the fruits and carry them around. Full of hallucinogens. Full of hallucinogens. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that angle. <laughs> but that, of course, is random. You have no control over where that goes. The idea of a tree that can vegetate mm-hmm. in a particular direction in response to stimuli, that it's either moving up or down the mountain, or it's moving, you know, back towards its optimal habitat, or it's moving towards human civilization for some mixed signal reason, is a very cool... Because you can see how that would be selected for giving a tree a limited ability to choose its direction of dispersal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I mean, plants can, to some degree, but like, you know, move, right? But again, it's on these, mm-hmm. like, different timescales. Because a lot of that is, you know, pretty, it's pretty random, right? I'm just going to have a whole bunch of babies, and we'll see where they end up. Yep. Huh. Yeah. I very, I'm very excited about this. Um, and the other thing, too, if we do go, like, specifically more willow, like, oak trees, too. Oak trees are, I, I I'm... I imagine that they do like vegetative um, stuff. I was gonna say most people. By people, I mean trees. Uh, many trees do. <laughs> I mean, we're uh, making tree people, so this, this is true. I mean, I language can, is fitting. I classify myself. I say we when I talk about plants a lot, so like <laughs> this checks out. Um, but like oak trees um, are like they have that kind of bark, that craggy bark that like you know you can see a face in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I just remember this example. I can't believe I forgot this one going through the history, especially since we mentioned Lord of the Rings in the books. Uh didn't make it in the movie, but in the books before they meet Tom Bombadil, the best character in the entire <laughs> Lord of the Rings trilogy, he saves them from Old Man Willow, the tree that tries to smother them in its roots and drown them by pushing them underwater. Oh yeah. Uh, which oh, just yeah. looks like a tree. It's just a tree, but it reacts once they fall asleep it moves quickly enough to smother them or bury them or move them but only not if they were awake if they were awake they would have just gotten out of the way yeah so like that idea of it doesn't necessarily have to be a humanoid tree 
but a tree with purpose is is I, I like kind of the vibe that's been coming from some of these ideas of that. Yeah. So it sounds like we have a tree. I like going with Willow. Willow seems to be the the angle. I want to make sure that you know that Willow is in the genus Salix in the family Salicaceae, just to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> of a tree that is perhaps a bit more flexible, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Moves in the wind, gives that illusion of of motion. A tree who I like the idea of the bark having mm-hmm. like channels and such through yeah. it that give off a sound or perhaps the leaves. I, I like the idea of whistling fruits. I, I like the leaves. I like the whistling fruits. That is a talking, moving tree that under the right circumstances will also throw fruits at you. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I like this vegetative growth idea, sort of a, a, a type of tree that can generationally grow in a direction in response to some sort of stimulus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe even budding into a new tree while the last tree dies mm-hmm. to lend nutrients to this mm-hmm. new yeah. growth. All of which could easily give rise to a, a mythology of, yes, I used to come here and talk to this tree and it would give me fruit. This is its daughter. Yeah. yeah. Right? The, the daughter of the tree I used to talk to mm-hmm. who is now over here. Or even the tree itself has moved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In this direction. Well, and especially if it's something like, oh yeah, no, my my grandfather used to visit this tree and have conversations with it while eating its fruit. <laughs> and now it's in our backyard. Like yeah. he used to walk out to the forest, but that's the tree. Uh, yeah. It came to us because of the the friendship with my family. Each each year it takes it's a shorter walk to get yeah. to the tree. Yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> so it gives this it it kind of gives that, you know. Heard shepherds of the forest vibe of mm-hmm. like the forest acting in a way that we can't truly understand because it's beyond us, mm-hmm. but it is behaving. It has purpose, intent. And I like the idea, especially if we use that it produces hallucinogenic toxins, even mildly, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that the thought of a tree that drops fruit and move slowly in the direction of your settlement could easily give rise to both a mythology about a wise tree Mm -hmm. that uh, is intelligent and grants wisdom and to a demonic tree that is coming (laughs) for us. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Had an idea. Had an idea. Had an idea. Could be that the fruit itself is hallucinogenic, but we all know the stories of animals eating uh fermented fruit very true that's true so like even if it just drops off of the tree like you you gotta know you gotta let it sit there for a little bit you know let it get good (laughs) then you eat it (laughs) right right well and and your point about there being two ways to perceive it uh there could also be two species or subspecies one which tends to grow vegetatively grow a new tree and the previous one uh, uh, deteriorate to nourish but then others that just grow a forest toward your town yeah <laughs> <laughs> they just keep them all oh yeah, just like, yes it, it's got that kudzu vibe of it just coming and you just every time every winter you're like was the tree line was it that close yeah. <laughs> or you could even you could have uh one version of the tree species subspecies variety maybe it's even climate dependent where sometimes the toxins are more mild and so you have 
you know, nice hallucinations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then at other times, maybe in a harsher winter or something, the toxins are a little less mild and actually poisonous. Yeah. Uh-huh. So now all the trees have turned against us. Ooh. This year, you know, we've angered the trees and now the fruit is poisonous. I also, t- talking about the forest coming to get you, gave me the picture uh, suddenly of like an abandoned town, like, you know, a really harsh har- harvest season <laughs> and the people have to leave the town. No big deal. But the right. next people who come there are like, oh, yeah, this town was abandoned last year and there's just trees Yep, where yes. all the people were. And it's like, oh, my gosh. These the trees tre- ate the people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I keep getting like this, like Macbeth idea of like the forest is coming. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. And they speak with deep, ominous voices. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. especially like if it is wind powered, it could be a situation where, you know, it is a, a whispering, you know, telling you the secrets of the future, mm-hmm. or it is a, Oh, you know. right. I like the idea of sort of a deep channel through the tree that yeah. makes it go. Whoa. That they're like organs, yeah. like like the instrument. They're just wind making these deep tones, like sphericals. Yeah, uh, which means like a single tree could be like, "Ooh, is that tree talking?" But then if you're in a forest of these trees, oh. it's just voices surrounding you. Well, and think about it: plants are made of tubes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that's it's not hard to repurpose a tube. Yeah, especially since, well, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that a, a tree is incorporates a lot of dead tissue. Yes. And so presumably you would have a lot of unused tubes. They tend to use the tubes even after they're dead. However, like if you can, you can make a tube, you can make a different tube. Like Yeah, you can true. make a specialized yeah. tube, special tube. The main thing though, I want to emphasize this, is that you got to be careful because you don't want air tubes getting in with your water tubes. That's true. It's, I, I've always thought that. I've had that problem. <laughs> well, see, that makes trees explode. <laughs> Listen, if we're All making right. monster trees. Yep. Tell us tell us how. This is okay. like those ants. These are the, these are the trees that go first in battle yes, to the yep. town and then they blow up. Okay, so in the winter, trees will freeze. And you don't want to get air bubbles in. So when it uh, expands again, you're going to get an embolism. Right. Like freeze thaw can do bad things. Um, Side note, one of the hypotheses for the role of leaf teeth is possibly um, some relief so that you won't get these embolisms. You won't get these air bubbles uh, because leaf teeth have little like tubes out of them. But that's a hypothesis. But yeah, you, we could blow up the trees. I don't recommend it. But oh my goodness, that's how you get rid of the old tree. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Is each winter, yeah. it freezes and just and crumbles. Crumbles to nothing. That's a I real mean, rapid way to get rid of a tree. I hate it, but I love it so much. Like, I don't really want to explode the trees, but they're not really dead. They're just moving. It's fine. Yeah, yeah no, there's no. A new, there's, it's, it, it moved. It explodes, yeah. crumbles, and then as it's once things get warm tree. again, the new tree just rapidly grows. And, ooh, I like I, that a lot. I like our uh, singing intent-driven trees. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Nice. So we've got... Some sort of willow, mm-hmm. a walking willow, <laughs> a, a wailing willow, Ooh, perhaps. Yeah. 
that makes noises mm-hmm. in the wind and drops fruit that whistles when when triggered and moves generationally in a direction uh, and hallucinate hallucinogens people uh, into making up wacky stories about talking trees. Oh, I like it a lot. Oh my goodness. I'm so into this. Now, what... I'm going to bring this back because this is a cool discussion we haven't really done in previous uh, spooky se- uh, years. What kind of environment would these trees need to live in? Where do willows live? Water. They are normally closer to water. Like you need right. to have okay. um, more plant available water. But that also kind of makes sense because the whole thing about people is that we tend to also live by water. Yeah, that's yeah. what I would say is that that puts them right next to civilizations mm-hmm. real easy. Yeah. Which is how we can propagate all these stories. Yeah. They could Ooh. also even, if we go back to the throwing fruit idea, they could be throwing fruit into the rivers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That then helps the disperse. Absolutely. <laughs> well, maybe that's why they react to sound. Oh. The yeah, sound so of moving close. water. Yeah. I mean, being close to a river is good not only for dispersal, but because also that's where the animals are yeah. that mm-hmm. you're relying mm-hmm. on for dispersal. Yeah, but that yeah, it, yeah. that it could be part of the reaction is when the water you know when rain comes and the water flow picks up and you can hear that oh yeah. the water's moving enough to move my seeds yeah start yeah. dropping the seeds yeah. or even you don't even need to hear it could just go downhill that oh, could yeah. just be a gravity thing if you wanted it to be. I do like your hearing trees yeah I don't so you keep take trying to take away the hearing trees but I'm what saying... do you have against <laughs> hearing trees you, I'm saying that there could be gravity you, you know we have... could just make it physics there are multiple uh, there's plenty of boring ways we can make this work there are multiple cues <laughs> which makes it more likely to happen <laughs> you got options yeah yeah I like this a lot so we've got a carnivorous mass of vines and roots <laughs> from last episode yeah with pretty flowers with pretty flowers yep. and now we've got uh the the wailing whistling walking willows yeah yeah water willows that's an actual species <laughs> the wet wailing walking <laughs> willows <laughs> real catchy they could also have they could have very pretty fruits Mm, yes, we got options. I'm very excited. I would like to meet this plant. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, there you go. Episode two down. Two plants down. Two to go. Two to go. There are two more Saturdays in October, which we will fill with additional monster plant episodes. And we're going to start getting weird. Yeah, I was going to say, it's going to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> These were perfectly normal, so, you know. Right. <laughs> So we'll be excited to talk more about plants with our good friend, Allie. Yay, plants. So we'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Common Descent Podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and check our WordPress blog for pictures and links after each episode. Huge thanks to our patrons whose support helps keep this podcast running and who get access to bonus goodies on Patreon. The song you're hearing is called On the Origin of Species by Protodome, which we found at ocremix.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll join us next time.